0: and welcome to the Raptors weekly podcast for the week of March 12th. I'm your host, William Liu, I'm joined on the program by an old favorite, Andrew Thompson. Andrew, how are you feeling, man?
2: Sir, what's going on? I feel great about the Raptors and terrible about my physical well-being at the moment, but Did I will go through. I've have, I have filled my body with decongestions. I've compensated for not sleeping for a day and a half two days with all the caffeine i'm ready to do this
0: jeez what are you doing what is this i mean is this safe for the pod to discuss like <laughs> yeah
2: it's just like a bad cold oh okay, okay. yeah okay okay
0: all right um andrew the raptors are doing their best to make you feel good william it's been a fun season i think the raptors are good at basketball you know what sometimes i look at the record and i have to like Check my eyes, that they're forty there they're thirty-one games over five hundred.
1: So I saw
2: someone post this week it was like if the Raptors go twelve and five, they could win sixty games. Yeah. And the crazy thing about that, it was like, oh, of course we're gonna go twelve and five. Like that's that's just a custom now.
0: Yeah. Well I mean I, I you know what, like obviously this is the best stretch of the season. Like the Raptors have won like fifteen of the, fourteen of the last fifteen games. Um, they're playing the Knicks right now as we record. Luke Cornett is killing us early on. Of course he is. Um, But this should probably be another win. Um, But it's just like they're just putting together all these games where, you know, like even if they start falling down a little bit early on, they'll come back. And, like, in the games that actually matter, like in the Wizards game and in the Rockets game, like, they're just going to come out with this, like, serious intensity and they're really up to par with with the opposition, which is, I don't know. It's a bit weird as a Raptors fan, right? Because you're—I mean, Andrew—are you waiting for the other shoe to drop? Is there like still as that
2: a feeling? in life. I'm not used to being able to have nice things. Okay. Um. So, like, being a Raptors fan has always felt right to me because it's like you—you never mm-hmm. expect things. to know, you—you're always waiting for something else. Um. I—I I think that the Raptors are going to have to do something outstanding before. Any of us can watch playoff games with unclenched butt cheeks. Yeah, but don't, okay. I, I'm not, I'm very much not expecting the problems of the past. Like, are, are you waiting for Lucy to, to pull the football away or what are you, where are you standing?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely how it always feels to watch Raptors basketball. Um, I look, I'm with you, man. Of course, there, the, you can't watch basketball, like Raptors basketball without thinking that that might happen eventually. But, I mean, what they've done this season is tried to give fans and probably themselves as much confidence as possible, right? Like, you look at that Rockets win. Like, that's right up there with the Celtics win, with the Cavaliers win, with the the two times they played the Warriors extremely tough down in the last possession. Like, that just – it gives you confidence that, like, this year, like, things are different. And, you know, I mean, as much as that's a tired conversation to have, especially when, you know, we're 48 and eight seventeen 17 – you know, from the outside, it must seem strange for Raptors fans to constantly be like, oh, is this for real or not? Like, every, to everyone else, it's like, this is ridiculous. You guys are 31 games over 500. But I don't know. Like, it's it's still, we still need these games to give us confidence. And, like, I think that's the biggest thing from the Rockets game is that, like, look, we can take the Rockets' best punch. And no one can say that the Rockets didn't give the Raptors their best punch. Not when Harden has, like, 40 points, right? Like, and the Raptors took that punch, and we won. 100%.
2: And like, I don't know, like that. Everyone watched that game. When I say everyone, I'm talking sort of like from a from a, a national media perspective. Like that was a game that everyone was paying attention to. People had circled that. There's been the the broader conversation. You know, are the Raptors for real? And it's not just Raptors fans who have been having this. Like this has been that's been sort of the main NBA narrative for the last couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. And it seems like everyone is in agreement that the Raptors are are for real. I don't mean just Raptors fans. I'm talking about national media guys are not just saying, like, of course the Raptors are real. They're saying, like, look, th- this conversation is silly. We- we've known they're real for-, for time now.
0: Yeah. I think in retrospect, I think we'll look back on it and be like, yeah, of course this team is real. But um, at the same time, like, the history there is is kind of what it is, which is unfortunate. JV, huge rebound in a crowd. JV's playing really well of late. Sorry, I'm, I'm also distracted watching this Knicks game. Um are the Knicks still a basketball team? That's a thing. The man, look, look, they, they <laughs> the starting lineup was like Emmanuel Mudiay, Nikola Kina, Tim Hardaway, Luke Cornett started that center. Like man, Paolo Quinn.
2: I forgot that they got Emmanuel Mudiay.
0: Yeah, he's bad. He's bad. Yeah,
2: he's I not very he good basketball. Be... I thought he could be good. Dramatic from an NBA perspective.
0: I can't believe the Knicks have another bad point guard. That's that's never happened before.
2: <laughs>
0: um yeah, but um yeah, I mean look, it, it, honestly this conversation of like legitimacy, like I think ultimately like they've done everything they can in the regular season to prove that they you know, they're going to get there. Like they're probably going to get to 60 wins um which is crazy to say probably, but they're definitely going to like shatter the 56 uh win mark that was set like 2 years ago. Um, and I think the biggest difference with this team is just like the way it's set up. It's like it's no longer the same processes that led to the same failures, right? Like just because, yeah, just because these are the same Raptors, you can't just assume that everything's gonna happen the same because like they play differently, right? And we've seen games like like in previous years. If Kyle Lowry had a bad game, we're never gonna win. But we've seen the Raptors win with Kyle Lowry having like five points. We've seen sure. the Raptors win when Demar has like five points. Like and you know we've seen the Raptors win when they get hot on offense. We've seen the Raptors win when they get great on defense. Like they've won in all types of scenarios, and which is why I think like it's a little bit harder to stop the Raptors this year.
1: And
2: the bench isn't just you know Lou Will uh, Lou Williams coming off the bench and you know having um, an unexpectedly good game or a game that would be difficult to replicate in the playoffs, and then the bench bails out the starters to take a, a victory that they might not otherwise have gotten. It's the bench just marley whopping teams as an entire unit. Mm-hmm. That's the the Raptors bench is poised to be a weapon in the playoffs in a way that we don't typically see in the playoffs.
1: And yeah.
2: Do, for sure. Are do every year the conversation coming into the playoffs is like, Oh look, the game slows down, rotations change, you know, um and and it you can't play fast and you can't play a five man bench unit in the playoffs. There's a little bit of truth to that. Like when you play playing teams like the Bucks or someone like that, or the Cavaliers, yeah, like LeBron's gonna play 45 minutes of the game, so the whole bench unit concept changes. But I'd be really surprised if the Raptors didn't roll with their bench and just try to push the ball and punish teams in the playoffs. Like, do you do you see that? Do Do you see the way Casey's been using the bench going away in the playoffs? No, I don't think so. And I think the idea
0: of, like, shortening your rotation uh, matters if you have crappy players in your rotation, but the Raptors don't, right? Nope. Like, the crappiest player in the rotation, unfortunately, is, like, Norman Powell, who's kind of come around a little bit this week. Um, But, like, he's not even crappy. He's just inconsistent. And he's the 11th man. So if he gets cut a little bit, it's okay. Um And he's not ultimately hurting you that much. I think what the Raptors need to do is, like, keep that five-man unit together so that they can use it for, like, five-minute spurts where they're like hyperactive um basically just a more condensed version of what the Raptors are currently doing um with with the bench unit because like that's that's gonna be fine and I don't think you need to shorten the rotation because like what what benefit would it have to cut that down like who are you taking out on the lineup maybe you cut down a a couple minutes from Delon and you give it to like you know Kyle Lowry but like realistically that doesn't even change that much in that context so I don't know, man. Plus, you know, the part of it is also like, look. Obviously, the Raptors want to get to the playoffs and, and do well and have as much success there as possible. But there's also an eye towards like development and all these young guys. They're going to be with the Raptors for a long time, and you want to give them some playoff experience, um, in big moments and like pretty much Norm is the only guy that has that right now. But, um, we're gonna, we're about to give these young guys a lot of experience too. So that's a nice little benefit for going forward for the future. Good. Um. One thing, by the way, I was looking this up the other day. Uh, I was writing, like, the Raptors are for real column. And one of the issues was, like, like you said, Andrew, like the bench is traditionally not given the Raptors much. I looked it up, and I had to check, like, four or five times in the conference semifinals. So when the Raptors played the Cavaliers and got swept. Right. Like, how many total points in the series do you think Damari Carroll and Patrick Patterson had in total?
2: Over four games. Over four games? I mean, they're starting, too, Uh 65 points no lower 45 points lower oh man they played all four games too
0: yep all four of them played uh, all, both of them played all four games Damari Carroll started two of the games I think and Patterson I think started one maybe oh but, 30 points lower no <laughs> I'll just give you the number man 13 points total in the whole series Patrick Patterson had 8 Damari Carroll had 5 Good God! <laughs> they shot a combined four uh, of twenty-two from the from the field, um, and that's the kind of bench production we're talking about. And that's one of the other reasons why to like you know believe in this team a little bit. Like the bench is like worlds better than before. And I know it's not like the Raptors ever had crappy benches. We've always had good benches. messiah has been really good at finding talent in the margins. But sure. this is a very special group.
2: Yeah, like I think the only thing you might see in the playoffs is like, look. We're, we're really not going to try to find that three pointer for Pascal Siakam just because we believe in the potential of it. Yeah. It might, like, maybe we'll just swing the ball one more time in that scenario. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like, they, they're getting their points in transition. They're getting their points out of genuine offense. Right. And yeah. Like, they're, they're, the bench is not a mirage. The bench is not, you know, Lou Williams getting to the line 10 times off the bench somehow. It's, it's, it's just really good quality NBA play. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I think part of you know what makes the team harder to stop is that like they're just playing better team basketball. Like the ball movement, it's it's been talked about ad nauseum all season, but like the ball movement is a lot better. And we sort of traded off. Like before, we were really reliant on free throws. Like the Raptors were always really high on free throw rate because yeah. Demar and Kyle would drive to the rim and get fouled. Like this year, they're just tra- they're basically just shooting a ton more threes. And they're, even though the free throw shooting is down. In terms of attempts, their three-point attempts are up so much that the math evens out. And so, like, it's harder to stop the whole system. You know what I mean?
2: For sure. Yeah, the true shooting percentage is actually higher than it has been traditionally. And that's for the loss in free throws. Um, And I think that's also probably reflected in the health of the team a certain extent as well, that, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it probably bodes well for Kyle Lowry that he's not barreling to the rim in order to try to bail the Raptors out of games on the road in Detroit, eight times. Having Kyle Lowry through the playoffs is probably a bigger impact. uh, Sorry, is one of the bigger benefits of the bench playing this way and the team changing the style of play as well. Knock on wood here. There's still enough games for that to happen, but Kyle Lowry has not had a legitimately healthy run through the playoffs in the entire time he's been here. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, did you have any concern, though, before the Rockets game, or maybe even before the Pistons game? Because I thought Lowry was instrumental in that game, too. But um, did you have any concerns that, like, Lowry might have slipped off a little bit? You know what I mean? Like, dropped Not, off a level. Like,
2: like his three-point shooting has been has been good. Um, I, I think I, – I haven't been concerned just because of the position he plays. Like, with point guards, a lot of times you'll see these guys do this. Like, like top-end point guards – will sort of spend like three quarters letting the rest of the team sort of get in place and try to make sure everything happens for everyone else. That's that's very much a, a part of that position is, is getting your teammates going and letting them be the ones to carry you, and that's sort of your job as the leader. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's out of character for Kyle Lowry. I think it's it was more surprising over the last couple of years for other people to see him suddenly become the focal point of an offense from a scoring perspective. Right. And he doesn't seem uncomfortable going back to – All right, like I'll stay in my lane, I will be very good at what I do, and if the team needs something, I'm there to do it, but you know, I think winning is as important, or probably more important than scoring 25 for him, so I think he, because he doesn't look uncomfortable in the way the team's using him, and he doesn't seem upset at all, I've been fine with it, because I think winning matters more to him, and I think that that's really kind of been the focal point of the change here, and Mm -hmm. I'm Probably been a part of that on the inside, not the other way around. Um,
0: yeah, I, I think so too. I think look, uh, there's definitely been a lot more buy-in with Lowry, um, sure. obvi- which I think is is easier to do when you give him like the contract, right? Like, you're like look, <laughs> yeah. you don't you no longer have to like try to like kill yourself for any money. Like, here's thirty million a year. Um, you probably deserve like twenty five of that. And plus, you've been doing so well for us in previous seasons. We got to keep you and everything like that. So like, he doesn't have to worry about any of that, you know, ulterior stuff. So he doesn't need to get, like, you know, like you said, kill, kill himself multiple times a year, you know, trying to kill the Pistons or whatever as the focal point on of the offense. But I do like the, I do like the reassurance that he can take over when it's necessary. For sure, right? And that like that Pistons game this week would like him in the third quarter of that game. Um, when he had two four-point plays, he drove like like underneath the basket, went baseline and got an and one over Andre Drummond, and he was like throwing all these passes for threes. Like, that's the kind of Kyle Lowry that's like take over, um, change a game. All of a sudden, you know, the 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 deficit goes into like a you know a, a lead, um, and then you go from that game over to the Rockets game where Kyle Lowry that was probably his best game of the season. It's just, it's just nice and, and reassuring to know that, you know, you have two guys. Cause I have full confidence that DeMar can bail the Raptors out, like he's done it so many times this season. But to see Kyle also step up and do that, um, while also, you know, just keeping the team running, like the whole team has been playing this team oriented system. A lot of that is Lowry giving up the ball. Um, it's just encouraging to see. I mean, what did you, what did you see out of Lowry this week? Um, in terms of that Pistons game and that Rockets game specifically?
2: Sure. Like the Rockets game, he was a beast. Like that's, Mm-hmm. It's worth noting that the Raptors beat a team that had won 17 straight and yep. is placed in the league and is on pace to be a record-setting offense. And Kyle Lowry was, I think, unquestionably the best player in that game. Like he was outstanding on both ends of the floor. He carried the Raptors through a stretch of the offense, stopped clicking a little bit. He was just fearless in the three-point shots he was putting up. Like that was he was he was putting up very Houston-style threes and just mm-hmm. like I have an inch of space. The offense is moving. I'm not set. Here it is. He was guarding the pick and roll extremely well, uh, helping to push the, te- the pace of the team. Like I, I mean, I don't see how anyone can, can not look at that game and think Kyle Lowry is still an all-NBA-style player. We're seeing regression from a statistical perspective this year. I don't think we've seen the regression of Kyle Lowry in any way or form this year. Just the way he's been in the offense is different, and... That means that his his counting stats aren't as high, but I don't think his play, his quality of play has slipped in a noticeable way at all this year. Yeah, for sure.
0: I, I think part of it also what's happening is just like the team kind of reoriented itself away from like Lowry's number one along with DeRozan to just DeRozan's number one and Lowry's number two. Yep. And I think this makes more sense. Like, I think in many ways Lowry is still a better player than DeRozan. I don't think it's like defensively or or you know even playmaking like I think Larry's better but like DeMar has improved so much um as a scorer and also as a distributor that like he's just a more natural number 1 option for your um you know for your offense because he's just a, just a natural scorer and like when you have a guy who can score and get his buckets anytime um it's just easy to play off of that and yep. I, I think the Raptors have finally found um a balance to of the offense um
2: that that, that works best yeah, the, the defense has to bend around DeRozan more. They have to bring help to stop him from scoring in a way that they didn't necessarily have to do if Lowry's going to be the one to get that bucket. A lot of the times in traditional playoff series when the Raptors have, have failed, you're seeing Lowry trying to do everything himself, and they don't, they don't have to change the way they play defense to do that. They've just got someone a little bit bigger and athletic enough to guard him, and when he gets to the rim, there's just too many bodies, and they're not getting the foul calls. And, look, like you've talked about, DeMar is just such an out-of-this-world scorer, and the way he has extended his range and improved his playmaking has made it so you have to guard him with multiple people mm-hmm. or he's going to score. And, you know, we saw in Detroit that means two things. Either, A, he's just going to dunk on your face oh my God. in your family line, or you're going to have to sello completely to stop him from you know, ruining the rest of everyone you know, and he's going to kick it out for a wide open shot to someone else. Yeah. So yeah, like, yes, I think it's worth noting, like you said, not only has the, have the Raptors got a much more team oriented scoring focus this year, but it's at the simultaneously it's been a clear shift from Co number ones or Lowry's team to DeMar DeRozan as the focal point.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, whoa! Stefan Marbury is at this game. Dapping it up with Kyle Lowry, jeez, the, the things you see in New York, man. Stephon Mar is that- wearing all yellow, a, a yellow sweatsuit. Uh, it looks plush. It's great. The trash be rolls here, okay. <laughs> oh, man, this next game is wild. Um, yeah, man, I, I think the improvements of Demar. Like, I think the, like we've given Demar a hard time, probably on this podcast in previous seasons, and I don't, I don't think that like. You know, anyone has to run from that. But, like, it always felt like DeMar had, was wearing, um, pants too big for him. You know what I mean? Like, sure. just res- the responsibilities given to DeMar and what DeMar was, um, delivering within that. It's just been a, uh, there's been a gap, right? But this year, it's like DeMar has so far and away exceeded all that because he has improved and all these reps have allowed him to become such, so much of a better player that, this is the player that we've always wanted DeMar to be. I mean, like, the three-point shooter, right? Like, in that Rockets game, he wasn't even scoring that well. I thought the Rockets did a pretty good job defensively against him. Yep. But because he hit three threes, he still had an efficient game. And that's one of the things with DeMar this year. It's just harder to stop him overall.
2: And right? It's not just that he did hit three of them. It's the fact that he he took, I think it was seven, seven or eight yep. he attempted. Mm-hmm. And he's doing that without hesitation now which means you have to close on him in a way that players didn't used to. Like if the ball was being worked around and it got to him outside the three-point line, no one was just trying as hard as they could to take that line away from him. They were getting ready for him to drive. And that he immediately just shoots it without thinking now and that he's putting up so many more attempts, Mm -hmm. again, changes the way you have to guard him because I I think him shooting what like 33% of the season, 32% of the season, is not amazing. But him taking almost four attempts a game totally changes the way that you have to take away that space in the floor, which has opened up everything else for him as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: And it's just it's just nice to see it pay off. You know what I mean? Like a homegrown superstar, not a superstar, but like pretty much close to. I
2: think I think
0: he can stay superstar now. Like he's
1: yeah,
0: shit. He's leading the number one team in the East. Um, his stats are like right there with Kyrie Irving, if not better than like. Scoring is 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 right there. Assist or maybe like one or two assists off, but like, you know, and everyone considers Kyrie a superstar for sure. Yeah, oh,
2: like like some half a superstar is how visually appealing is what they do sometimes,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I think that's kind of sometimes been a knock against Demar. It's like, well it's not as flashy as like a Kyrie. And also, I mean, I think the other side of that is the criticism for someone like Kyrie is. He's not as good as he is flashy. It's just the crazy plays, and I, look, both of those guys are superstars. Yeah, or, I I is a superstar. I don't know how you can possibly argue otherwise. Like his his minutes are down, his stats are way up, his efficiencies are up. He's he's leading the team to a sixty win pace as the as the number one guy. Like that's can, can you think of a team who is the clear cut number? or Sorry, a player who is the clear cut number one guy on a team that won that many games. Who is not a superstar? Has there ever been that in the NBA?
0: Maybe like with the, with the Hawks, but that's that was a very that's, special situation.
2: But but also there was no no one was clearly the number one player on that team though. That's true. That is true. And I don't I don't think anyone even necessarily agrees on who the best player from that team was. Like Al maybe.
0: <laughs> Remember when they won Player of the Month for like their entire starting five? Yeah,
2: exactly. Like that was the kind of was, thing. Like that was so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: None of you guys are good enough to get this award. Here's five.
2: No, we have to combine you into some sort of Voltron type thing for us to feel good enough about saying, "Yeah, you got." Yeah. No one
0: was going to be like Jeff Teague. Uh... Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. they couldn't. They couldn't justify Kyle Korver. No one was willing to believe Jeff Teague. Yeah. It's, yeah. I guess Paul Millsap may be the best player on that team, but again, it's, it's, it's not maybe clear, yeah. yeah. Like, look. Demar's everyone, a
0: superstar, yeah. You're right, you're right.
2: Lowry, I don't think anyone's questioning that Demar is, is the most important guy on this team right now.
0: Yeah, it's not close. It's not close.
2: Um, And,
0: yeah, I mean, look. I've been waiting for a while to drop this hot take, but this is a hot take I have. Yes. Okay? All right. In order to understand what the Raptors are right now, I think it's more than just like DeRozan has been great, Kyle Lowry has been great in terms of transitioning to his new role and stepping up when necessary. Part of understanding the Raptors is just like how cohesive they are and how well they play basketball together as a team. Mm -hmm. And that goes for offensively and defensively. And the team that this, the way the Raptors are playing right now, the team that they remind me of, and it might be blasphemous to say this, they kind of remind me of the 20... 13 2014 San
1: Antonio Spurs Oof
0: I know I know
2: Okay yeah. yeah I mean from like from like a culture perspective I can see that the the Spurs were they that was you know that was Kawhi sort of establishing himself as as a guy but he was not the guy then that was still the old Spurs right. carrying that unit
0: Yeah I, I agree look obviously like in terms of the the construct of the team is not like an easy fit because we don't have like three hall of famers and shit but sure. like um and just in terms of the way they play together it does remind me a lot of that Spurs team like that Spurs team should not have been as good as it as it was defensively right like if you look up and down that roster yeah. it wasn't like it was littered with elite defenders it was just that they played together so well um that they were able to stop a team like the Heat um and then you know offensively that team um would just move the ball beautifully, would get open threes, um, just all the time. And, you know, you look up and down that roster, like, again, that team is built differently. There was no, like, DeMar for that team. There was no, like, Tim Duncan for the Raptors, right? But, um, it just, in terms of the way they play together, it's just, I don't know, I just get some of that Spurs vibe.
2: I, I see what you're saying. I think, I think I agree in the sense of that's the team that most did the best job of getting everything out of their team. Mm-hmm. Like like that the 13 14 Spurs had like 99% got 99% of the best possible result they could get out of that team.
0: Yes, for if, sure.
2: If you run that simulation over again a 100 times, a million times, it's hard to imagine them doing any better than they actually did, and that's not because they were lucky, that's because they squeezed every ounce of efficiency out of each one of those players by playing like the best well-oiled machine type basketball. I've ever seen and I think that yeah I can, I, I can agree with the machinery of how these two teams operate in that in that sense
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, I, yeah it's, it's not worthwhile doing like a person for person comparison but just the the idea of a finely tuned machine operating night in night out just getting the most out of their players and not really playing anyone who who sucks at anything
0: Yes, that too. That too. Like, just having a roster where everyone can come in and play a role. Like, that that Spurs team, like, that bench, right? Like, you're bringing guys like, um, you know, Bellinelli off the bench. Boris Diaz was a big part of that team. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess Siakam is the super skinny version of Boris Diaz. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um,
2: Extremely skinny. Body types. Slightly different body types. Slightly different touch. Yeah,
0: yeah. But just the same versatility, though. It's weird. People come in all shapes and sizes, but, you know, they, they get to the single. goal. Um, Van Vliet, I guess, as Patty Mills. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. It, they just give me that vibe. That vibe. And, of course, that team, you know, that team did special things. That team did special things. I'm not sure the Raptors will do that much. But I think what we've seen is if you're going to beat LeBron, you need, like, a really cohesive team. Right. Think of the teams that have beaten LeBron. That 2011 Mavericks team was incredibly cohesive. Like, before they even beat the LeBron, like, they beat the Thunder. Um, you know, they, they beat the Lakers. Like, there was a lot of tough teams they beat along the way. A lot of future Hall of Famers. Um, and the reason they did that wasn't because, like, the team was the most talented. It was because the team was the most cohesive. And as I say that, I just saw some great big-to-big passing from Proto to Seattle for a little floater. 7-0 run for the Raptors. They're not even trying when they're up, man. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Yo, the Knicks are trash. to LeBron,
2: LeBron. It's, it's Pirtle to Siakam. That's it right there.
0: Yo, listen. I don't think LeBron can guard the two of them. I'm just going to say that right here. Oh, another assist between the two of them. That's three straight buckets. They got a tall timeout for Siakam and Pirtle. Jeez. The,
2: the, the, the Raptors bench unit, as a starting five, mm-hmm. could mop the floor with any tanking team. Which is like, granted... Yeah. Like there are nine teams in the league right now that are trying hard to to lose, and like they're they're good at losing. Yes. So it's not saying all that much, but my point is not just that the Raptors bench as a starting five could beat them; it's that like they would mop the floor with them. Yeah, easily.
0: And like again, this doesn't—it's it's not about talent. It's not really about talent. It's about how you play as a team. And like as a team, we smack teams. Like it, like if. Like, if the Raptors' starting – or bench unit, right? Like, will we beat the Lakers?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I I don't think that's particularly close. And, look, one of the reasons why the bench unit is going to be able to continue producing in the playoffs, I think, and one reason why they've been so good is, you know, generally speaking, I'm not often a fan of the the hockey-style changes, like five for five. Mm Mm-hmm playing a full five-man bench unit because you I think you're usually better off staggering your best players and having them play those minutes where they're always going to be featured in the offense but the Raptors Dwayne Casey has trusted this bench unit for so many minutes together at this point that those guys can play a cohesive game together Where like you're talking about there's legitimately passing chemistry between Siakam and Pirtle because they played so many NBA minutes together with the other guys they know where they are need to be on the floor they know how to move the ball around And that's uncommon for bench units. Most bench units are used to just trying to figure out how they can facilitate the game of the one or two scorers who are actually on the court. Not actually. And then, like, if they get a chance, look for their own. But it's like, oh, i got to put up a shot. I don't know if I'll get it again. These guys are looking to just make the right basketball play. That's uncommon for a bench unit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, you know what, though? Like, the difference between this bench and the previous benches we've had is that this bench has, like, no ego whatsoever. None, yeah, for None. sure. It doesn't matter who takes the shot. It's not like Gary Vazquez is like once... You know like Gravis, like once every four possessions, you'll be like, I need this three. I just have yeah. to have it, right? It's
2: much for Gravis, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, or there's no John Salmons. There's no Lou Williams. Um, there's not even Corey Joseph, who like... You know, Corey Joseph would have tunnel vision sometimes. I, mean, I thought Corey was overall great for the Raptors, but, you know, Corey would have tunnel vision once in a while and say, I need the shot, and I'll go to the basket, and, you know, something might happen. Something might not happen. There's... No selfishness with this bench whatsoever. Like, they all feel like they're on the same level. And, like, I just, I think that's really, that goes back to the cohesion of the team. Yeah. Anyway, we have, uh, we've spent a solid amount of time praising this team. Um, we are not going to criticize because there's nothing to criticize, honestly. They've they won 14 or 15. By the time okay. this podcast comes out, it would be 15 or 16. Um, do you want to preview next week's games? Let's do it. All right. So the Raptors, assuming they beat the Knicks tonight, which uh, hopefully they do. But, you know, it's early game in MSG, and I don't know. They look a little bit drunk. Who just dunked against them? I don't, I don't even know who these mans are. Like, who is who is that on the Knicks? Um, anyway. But,
2: but the, the, this, that's the, the, my favorite subplot of the Tankapalooza is, as a guy who watches a, a lot of NBA games, tuning in and just being like who the hell's on the floor right now like who who is this 10 day contract that just dunked on us exactly yeah uh, is, he, is he gonna dunk again ah he missed a lot
0: um <laughs> unnamed player sounds, sounds right CJ Miles um anyway Raptors play on Tuesday against the Brooklyn Nets on the road we've had a hard time in Brooklyn of late we'll, we'll keep that in mind we had to go to overtime last time and Kyle Lowry almost broke his ass in two
2: <laughs> that's true. Um I, the the Brooklyn games tend to come inserted into road trips a lot, like that's just the reality of the the dense eastern corridor there. I wonder if that's playing a little bit of a role there. Mm. It's a combination of that and a game you don't tend to want to get yourself up for, but I think the Raptors know that they've got down these final stretch of games. They play Boston twice, they play Cleveland twice, and they also have games against, you know, the Thunder. And I think that they gotta know, like, the games against the bad teams are must-wins at this point. Like, you need to keep your foot on the throttle. And I I don't foresee the Raptors kind of easing up in a way that they sometimes might have been prone to doing in the past. Yeah.
0: Especially since, you know what, it, it's kind of helpful that the Celtics have been so strong all throughout the season. Sure. Yep. Right? I mean, a- I, I don't want to see it personally, but, like, it's good for the Raptors to, like, you know, keep pace because, like, Look at them, man! Like they're they're still only like a game and a half back of us. Like that's crazy. We won like we won so many games, and they're right there.
2: And Brooklyn is one of the teams that doesn't want to actually be as bad as they are right now. But everyone thought maybe they could be sneaky decent, not good. No one thought Brooklyn would be good. Mm-hmm. But there was the the chatter that that the pick that the Cavs got in the Irving trade could end up being you know the eighth ninth pick in the draft. Well, like despite their efforts. Brooklyn has been just wash in the last month or so. Like Dinwiddie, a couple other guys who had been playing really well for them have regressed a little bit, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Brooklyn's got, I think, two wins in their last, like, 12 games, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Like, 2018 has been traumatic for the Brooklyn Nets. They're getting outscored by a considerable margin. I have a hard time imagining the Raptors losing this game. Yeah, me too. That's a win.
0: Um, although they have spent now, that would be four, three straight days in New York. Yeah, you know? <laughs> because they play on the road tonight, and uh, they don't play until Tuesday. So I don't know what's Today. happening on Monday on, on in New York anyway.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that if there's a if there's a game you're concerned about, it's coming off the Houston win, and then having uh, a daylight savings time, basically noon start in mm-hmm. in New York. That's the game that they probably don't necessarily show up for until midway through or until they've already kind of lost it. I think Tuesday you're kind of back into the grind. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right.
0: Thursday, the Raptors travel to Indiana to play the Pacers. The Pacers have given us kind of trouble. like they played us tough, but we haven't seen the Pacers since like December.
2: No, um, we've got two games against them down the stretch as well. We've not played them much. Yeah,
0: and and you know what? The Pacers are a respectable team. Um they're definitely a team that's overachieving. Um did you see this happen to Oladipo? Cuz I thought he was trash.
2: Yeah, no, I did not see Oladipo being this guy. This is I mean his numbers have started to slide down a mm-hmm. lot. Like his his shooting splits the last 2 months, I think, are sort of the result of the world coming back to its normal place, but he's still like he's a guy carrying a team that's fourth place. That's 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 impressive. impressive. Yeah, um, he's he's been better this year than I kind of ever thought he would be offensively.
0: Because mm-hmm. um, no one thought he could shoot like this. Like he was hitting like pull up jumpers, like pull up threes in transition. Like that's just never been his game. And this year he's hitting them by like a forty percent clip. Or he was when he had that crazy hot start. He's come back a little bit, like you said. But
2: you he's still, like he's still at you know I think he's at thirty seven percent for the season, which that's good. You know, on what's he attempting here? Like like six threes a game? Like that's great.
1: Yeah.
2: And a lot of those are are guard, guarded threes. He's not a super tall guy. He's been outstanding this year. Um. I'm trying to find his per month stats here. Uh, anyway, I know the the numbers have been going down, and that makes sense because he was shooting a little bit better than he was able to. Be, the, he was unbelievably good for a while, and yeah. also. He's not got a lot of help coming there with Darren Collison and others also running the offense. He's defenses are adjusting to that, and I think that's one reason why the Pacers... Pacers are fourth, and besides Miami, I think the Pacers are the team that anyone in the East would choose to play if they could. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, yeah, the, the Pacers are, are a legitimately reasonable NBA team. They're not bad. They're not someone who should you should lose to if you play well. Yeah, for sure. Um, but do
0: you think that's ultimately a win? With the way the Raptors are playing right now,
2: yeah, I, I, have, I have a hard time seeing them and seeing that being a loss. Like the maybe they're one they're one game away from a 15 game win streak right now. So, mm. or like one bucket away from a 15 game win streak, it's, it's hard to see them losing to anyone that's not on their level. And the Pacers are are fine. But they're not on the they're not on the Raptors level.
0: That's actually a crazy thing about if the
2: refs just called foul on Jv's dunked in the Milwaukee game,
0: we, <laughs> we would literally be on a 15 game streak. <laughs> uh, that's that's just good times for the Raptors. Um, and then the Raptors close out the week with two games at home: Dallas on Friday, OKC on Sunday.
2: So yeah, I, I, Dallas is a needs to be a win. Like that's yeah, Dallas is is very very bad at basketball. We um, did
0: lose to them earlier this year, but that was a strange, very strange game. I think it won't
2: be like that this time around. No, and I don't think Dallas wants it to be like that either. No. Getting fined. What's the fine for for Mark Cuban just saying what everyone is obviously aware of? Anyways, was it was it like five hundred grand? Yeah, he's like he's he, saying he, it's in best interest to lose. Basically, yeah, he told his team during a team dinner, like, "Yo, we, we got to lose
0: some games." And then Dirk was like, "No, how dare you? I'm about to like, you know, physically expire. Like, don't, don't lose <laughs> any more games, man. Like, don't take me for granted in my 21st season." Um,
2: yeah. And ironically, if if Mark Cuban had have said that the world is flat, then we would have. Then the NBA league office's perspective is like, well, no, that's fine for him to say that. That's yeah. a reasonable thing to think. But him just saying the truth, we gotta we gotta tamp that down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a win. And then the the Thunder game. I mean, look, the Thunder game is gonna be tough because like the Thunder is so physical, like it, it is hard to beat them on their on their best day. But the Thunder also just play like this ugly brand of isolation basketball, Westbrook basketball, and eh, unless Westbrook is like really hot, like that team sucks. It just that just kind of is what it is. Plus, it's a 1 p.m. game in Toronto, for the road team. That's always tough. We gotta factor that in.
2: Where, uh, let me pull up the OKC schedule here and see where where that fits in their overall trip. Um, we they, the games, um, um, we've had a few Oklahoma City Thunder Sunday games. That seems yeah. to be a they, they seem to play us. That's when Durant dropped 50 against us in a Sunday game. That's true. That's the game where Westbrook, like last year, they creamed us. And yeah. Westbrook threw that full court, uh like, bounce pass through Corey Joseph's legs. That's true. That's nasty. What What is the Thunder coming off here? So the Thunder... That's the first game of their road trip. Like they've got a Friday night game at home mm-hmm. and Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that I mean like that, that that's gonna be a tough matchup. Like like you said, they're so physical. Steven Adams is just so he just looks like he's so much the complete there's no fun to have, to be had guarding Steven Adams, is what I'm getting at. None. Here. None. He's just going to bulldoze his way through places. Yeah, Um, I don't know Like the Raptors have nice depth at center To try to continue to to combat that But I mean Valanciunas will will battle him Purtle's going to get some minutes against him And it'll be uh, You know that's a good learning opportunity Purtle is a great guy Purtle cannot physically handle Steven Adams No no. Which you know is not a knock on him No it's not There's like nine human beings in the world That can physically handle Steven Adams Yeah and
0: one of them is his sister. She's like a gold medal shot putter.
2: Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. He's got Valerie he Adams. 11, 11 siblings, something crazy like that, and several of them are world-class athletes.
0: Yeah, they're not even a real-life family. They're more like a, a story you tell. <laughs> like, like a myth. <laughs> like a Greek myth. Um, look, the athletes are playing so well. Do you want to just call it 4 in a Week? Let's just call it 4 in a Week. Come on. All right, sure. I'll call yeah. it 4-0 Week. Let's go. Let's go. Man, that'd be crazy. The win streak would, at that point, be 12, so long as Raptors take care of business tonight against the Knicks. And the Raptors have started fucking around a little bit, so they're only up four, but um, they'll, they'll pull this game out. Or, rather, the Knicks will find a way to lose this game. Um, yep. Andrew, let's take a quick break, and uh, okay. let's come back on the other side. Let's take some Twitter questions.
2: I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit GoldfingerLaw.com and get us working for you.
0: Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Still here with Andrew. Andrew, are you hanging in there, health wise?
2: I have not perished. Okay. I have not perished. The Raptors' talk has nourished my soul, and I will continue. I will persevere. That's good. That's good. I, I Honestly, this whole season has been
0: chicken noodle soup for the Raptors fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so nice.
1: Um,
0: anyway, we're here to take questions uh, before Andrew perishes. Um, as always, hit us up on Raptors Republic. At Raptors Republic, you know the handle. Um, usually there's a call for questions like a couple hours before the podcast. Today I got really lazy and the the time change and everything got me fucked up. So I I only put it out at the start of this game, but there's still a lot of questions. So the first one comes from the marvelous the chosen. Who's a better player, Kyle or Demar?
2: I, I think we spent a while talking about that. I think like like you said, like look, Kyle Demar's never going to be as good defensively as Kyle, and there's a lot of ways that Kyle is reliable. In in a more important way, but I think this season, look, let's put it this way, I think DeMar DeRozan is making an All NBA team this year. I don't think Kyle Lowry is. Yeah, yeah.
0: I feel like the division kind of happened last season. Like yeah. when Kyle went down, that was like it kind of not it was a, not that it was a blessing, of course. Like no injury is a blessing, but like when Kyle went down, it really helped DeRozan's
2: confidence in knowing that like he's like yeah, I can do this for sure. On that point, like, do you see? Is it reasonable to expect Demar to be anywhere lower than second team All NBA All NBA this year?
0: No, I think definitively he is second team All NBA. He's not first team because like first team All NBA for guards is impossible.
2: Yeah, like, 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 like James Harden is probably going to win the MVP. There's one guard spot right there.
1: Yeah, and
2: then for the other spot, you're competing with Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook.
0: Bro, I just seen Serge miss four shots in this one possession.
2: On oh, the same possession, like not just bounced by the axe, but like Yeah, he
0: missed a three, he got the rebound, he missed a layup, and then he missed two tip ins. The Raptors is, had four offensive rebounds on that one possession, and they still didn't score. They're is, really drunk, man.
2: Is there <laughs> a player this year for you that most like that gets the quickest irrational response from you?
0: Um the, oh yeah, yeah, he's taking over for J V for sure. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. J V was like, if you let one person score on you pick and roll, I'm gonna start flaming you on Twitter. I
2: was gonna say just Based on my casual observance of the Will Lou Twitter game, I, I feel like Serge Ibaka is your new. I'm, I have a loose grip on on reality when this guy has like I'm going to disproportionately respond negatively on Twitter to something you, he does.
0: You know what? It's just like I give every player a, a amount of patience, but then like they get to earn more patience, and they get to earn they get to like take away that patience. You know, and like Serge is just. Like, that, that that Pistons game was just, like, straight-up unprofessional from Surge, man. It wasn't like, great, man. It wasn't great. I'm just like, yo, come on. If you didn't want to play, just tell Dwayne, like, listen, I, I need a game. Which, uh, veterans yeah. can do that. It's completely yeah. in your right as a veteran to do that, but, man.
2: let let put it this way. Like, Surge has become, like, your least trusted, you personally, your least trusted Raptor. Yeah. Having haven't said that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just... Whenever it gets to you, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about everyone else who has started a power
1: forward over the last four years. That's true. That's true.
2: You'll feel, you feel a little bit better. Definitely. Look,
0: the difference is at least Surge is capable, and we've seen Surge come through with many opportunities, whereas we've literally never seen um, Tyler Hansbro do any of this. Not that we have to compare it to Tyler Hansbro, but you know what I mean. Yeah. All right, next question from Eric Foreman. Who would be our preferred one-eight matchup? Is it the Heat?
2: Good for Eric Foreman. I haven't seen him since that '70s show went off the air. It's nope. nice to know that the, the fictional character is still out there. He's Just never heard that joke before. before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're welcome, Eric Foreman. Uh, I don't remember the question. I was too concerned with getting off my bad joke. That uh, for me, please.
0: Who's the preferred one-eight
2: matchup? I think Heat. I, I don't. I don't think there's. Any I mean the Heat Heats the No the, the Pacers are not gonna slide to four to eight rather. And the other teams you're possibly looking at there realistically are the Bucks or the Sixers. Do you want to play anyone more than you would wanna play the Heat Will?
0: No. No. I don't, I don't just I just look the Heat are gonna be a tiring series. Like they they play they're really deep as a roster, so the Raptors bench won't have as many opportunities. And, you know, they also just play incredibly hard, and Small Street gets the most out of that roster. But, like, who on that team are you scared of? Like, who's the one guy? Like, the Raptors would, for once, have the best player in the series.
2: Yeah. Um. I mean, the last time they had the best player in the series was the last time they played and beat the Heat. You exactly. Know, in yeah, and the best
0: player in the series was Bismarck <laughs> <McBee. laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well,
2: the best player in the series was with JV until he got hurt in that series. That was, the like, the 30-20 JV playoff experience. Buddy. That
0: honestly for a what? while it was with, with how JV looked last season, it for a while that 3 game stretch was going to look like the Barnani 13 game stretch for him. <laughs> but JV has really turned it around. He's, for sure. No, no more JV slander. He's shooting threes now. He's probably a better three-point shooter than Barnani at this point.
2: Dude, you know it's it's not unrealistic for JV to join the 50-40-90 club. Yes, that's, like, un, that's not talked about enough. He's,
0: he's like, currently there, right? Or he has to get got, a couple got, more free throws in.
2: He's got to go up from like 88.2 to 90%, and he's 50-40-90. And he's starting to get the volume of threes up to the point where it's like, it's not slanderous to put him in there. Like That's that's preposterous. Yeah.
0: JB's become the player we want him to be, man. He's even better on defense. Like, that Rockets game?
2: Yeah, that's the best defense I've ever seen him play. Like, it, the way he was just so naturally sliding into the right place on the pick and roll and helping and covering and switching to the to take away the the drive to the outside and then falling back to his man the Mm -hmm. steal of the block That's I've never just seen him play so confidently defensively while doing the right thing yeah exactly it's neat
0: yeah I think the Raptors would have like the best three players in that series Yeah.
2: yeah and by the way Dwayne Wade suddenly taking 20 shots a game for the, <laughs> not helpful for them. Like that's, I, I think that no one in Miami thinks this team is actually going anywhere and they just think it's nice to have Dwayne Wade back so they don't mind watching these 20 shots, but the team is not better. It's a, they're better every once in a while when he bails out their second unit or gives them, uh, you know, like they didn't, they were struggling to get shots at the end of games and he can do that for you. Mm-hmm. But he's also going to take those shots that are a struggle to get. 15 to 16 times a game and that's not helpful. So Dwayne yeah.
0: Wade is his usage right now in Miami, 32%. Ugh.
2: Look, that, it's worth noting that Dwayne Wade is one of like the the 30 greatest players of all time. Yeah, I
0: love Dwayne Wade.
2: I'm Dwayne like, Wade was was my favorite non-Raptors player in the league for a long time. Yeah, for sure. That man is dead.
0: Yeah, dude, his his usage is 32%, his true shooting percentage is 49. Dwayne, come on, Dwayne. <laughs> just, just know yourself. That's all. That's all I'm just saying. Know yourself. You're, you're, you're old. I mean, whatever. He's doing like great stuff off the court and stuff like that. And obviously, the Heat fans love it that he's back. Yeah. This is this is how the Vince Carter story could have ended for the Raptors. He could have came back and decided to take every shot for the bench.
2: For sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh,
0: uh, man. All right. Yeah. Give me, give him the Heat. I don't want Sixers. I don't want the the Bucks. That's just annoying. Next one from Josh. Top five worst jerseys in the NBA. So that'd be bottom five jerseys in the NBA. Sure. Top five worst is weird. Um. The Thunder. The Thunder consistently have terrible jerseys, in my opinion.
2: Thunder probably have the worst jerseys. Like they're just they're bad colors. They're cartoons. Mm-hmm. They yep. seem like they came from the same place that those Raptors, Grizzlies. 90s bullshits came from. The color color scheme is bad. Yeah, like it's just... Yeah, they're terrible. Uh, They have the
0: same color scheme as Tide. (laughs) Like that orange, that light blue.
2: Yeah. They've gotten rid of those just straight up orange road jerseys, right? That's gone? Uh,
0: Yeah. Those are awful. What happened? Did Serge get another fight with Michael Beasley? No, what, Serge, bro? You can't do this every game, man. It's just a rebound, and they're going for, and they're fighting now.
2: Look, Serge is working through some shit, man. I think I think he needs to talk to someone, or he just needs to actually hit someone.
0: Yes, yeah, he he just wants to get one punch in, like a real punch. Geez, Serge, stop fighting people, man.
2: You know what the thing is, like like Serge, someone should just be like, look, Serge, if you want to fight someone, that's fine, you know, but pick your spots, like. Michael Beasley is not worthy of you in this way. Like, like, have some respect. It's like when you're stopping. You're like, look, you have a, a a friend who just is just taking someone home, and you know, like, look, I get that. You know, you just need someone right now, but like, you can do better than this, man. You can do better.
1: Yeah.
0: No. Why? why honestly, though, Serge, like, come on, man. Also, like the thing is with Surge is no one really buys him as a, as a true badass because like if you got if you're gonna be an enforcer, people have to like not try you, and people try Surge all the time,
1: which is crazy
2: by the way. Like li- just looking at people, I would w- least like to be punched by Surge is high on that list. Yes, for sure. And, like, and he is willing to throw that punch. So why do people keep trying him? Like, because he just piss them off? Because look, a guy like that. Like, that, if that body is willing to throw its fist at you, you should not encourage it to do so. Yeah. Like, that that's a simple, simple equation. Yeah, for sure. Also, Michael Beasley's in so. Oh,
0: that too. I kind of like Beasley, though. I like his story. Oh, Sarge's so got a huge block. There you go. Made up for it. Um. All right. So, I'm that's looking at a picture cool. there. Oh, the Hawks. Do you like the Hawks jerseys?
2: I do not. I do yeah, not. Every do. once in a while, they have, like, one third jersey that's not terrible. Yeah. Um, which I will also say with the Timberwolves, I like one of those weird Timberwolves jerseys this year. Otherwise, the Timberwolves have had trash jerseys the entire time they've existed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, Phoenix's jersey has really fallen off.
2: Their old school jersey is great. I do love that, like, just the MS DOS basketball.
0: Yeah. Um, but their new one is.
2: The new one's not great.
0: I think it it's just part crazy. of it is just like the franchises fall into disarray as well.
2: Yeah, they don't, they, they they just do not seem like a quality organization.
0: Yeah. Oh, the Clippers.
2: The Clippers jerseys are bad. Yeah. The, the word, the word art jerseys. Yeah. Very Microsoft. The, 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 the redo this year was a little bit better. Like, I didn't, I didn't hate what they did. They were, they were starting from a bad place and they didn't get a lot warmer. hmm. That's true. Who's who, who the other? were the next
0: four jerseys? Probably Orlando. I mean, yeah. it depends. Do you like the pinstripe? Because like for a while, that pinstripe jersey was like kind of a look. But
2: like I like the pinstripe jersey because I love Penny Hardaway as a kid. yes.
0: But that's not, like a long. I mean, not to call you old, but that's a long time ago that Penny Hardaway played in the league.
2: Man, like that's like that's twenty years ago. Twenty yeah. years ago. I think the the further you get away. From the Penny Hardaway shoe commercials and the Little Penny,
1: mm-hmm. the
2: first, like the worst those jerseys seen. Yeah, for sure. I used to be I used to see people in Shack Orlando jerseys all the time when I was a kid. Oh yeah, all the time. If you saw, I mean, it doesn't happen because you would never see someone wearing an Orlando Magic jersey now. But if you saw someone wearing an Orlando Magic jersey, you'd be like, what? What? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You'd have to go ask them about it. You'd be so fascinated. It'd be like seeing someone listen to like a cassette Walkman. You would go in. You would you be you'd have questions.
0: Yeah, it's exactly like that. You're like, what are you doing? What is that? Is, yeah. is that is that is that Jonathan
2: Isaac? That's true. The, the Orlando Magic are playing every single game with Sony Walkmans on.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's a good analogy for where they are.
2: All right. If that's All not right. 5 that's going to be close enough to five that we can. Probably- yeah, that's
0: that's five pretty bad ones. Um, next one for Felix. Does having playoff Norm matter? What role would he have in the playoffs, given that we already have OG, assuming healthy, and CJ? Is Norm just injury insurance?
2: I mean, he's not just injury insurance, he, but he's he's depth. You know, if if he comes off the bench and can actually hit threes, then huge. If Ananobi and Miles are playing well, he probably doesn't see the floor. I mean, like Van, Van Vliet has taken all of his minutes and earned every single one of them.
0: Yeah, if we're talking about shortening rotation in the playoffs, that means we're taking out some of our lesser-performing players, and that's Norm.
2: Yeah, like look, if Norm gets things back together, like it, by all accounts, it just seems like he's in his head in some way. Yeah, and, for sure. And that's, that's, you see that with the body language. You see that how every time Casey takes him out of the game, he seems to try to pull him aside and, and help boost him up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really positive Casey thing that he learned in the, the Terry Ross saga is... Oh, hey, okay, I'm going to need this guy. I should actually be trying to build him up instead of just pulling him out of the game in anger at him.
0: Mm-hmm. But then, Which, to be fair, like Terrence Ross is an anger-inducing player.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah. But he was also a, a, a necessary component of the team at the time, so it wasn't helpful to the team's long-term success to just be frustrated with him. Yeah, that's right. And that's, again, another way that Casey has become a better coach.
0: Yeah, he's playing all these young guys, man.
2: Yep, yeah, he's playing all of them, he's trusting them, and he's, he's trying to nurture them instead of just yanking them for John Salmons.
0: John Salmons, baby, the ultimate security, oh, Alan Anderson. That was the ultimate security blanket. And Anytime anything happened, when he's like, nah, I gotta call time, I'll get Alan Anderson yes. in the game. yeah, in there, come on, come on. <laughs> Alan, get in there with your pug looking face and shoot like five shots in two minutes.
1: Oh, and
2: I had a moment with Alan Anderson once. We gave each other the nod. It was like he was with his family. I could tell he didn't want to be bothered. I just sort of like gave him the nod like, hey, man, what's up? And he was just like, hey, thanks for not drawing attention to me. I'm going to lean against the back of this restaurant wall. It's my Alan Anderson story. That was the most positive experience I had with him as a rapper.
0: That's a good story. That's probably the best Alan Anderson story people have.
2: <laughs> yeah, like he had a big game winner in some regular season game at one point.
0: Sure. Probably didn't mean much, but, I mean, it nope. doesn't matter.
2: No, that was – before, we were used to winning a lot of games, so, like, any random win was a, was a, a bigger deal.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um,
2: yeah, I think Norm is depth. And that's, Norm is
0: depth, yeah. He's is. injury insurance. He, Felix, you said it right there in your tweet, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a guarantee that OG comes back and, like, is able to hold up in the playoffs, you know? So yeah, it's, it's nice up. to have someone like Norm around.
2: Yeah, and by the way, it wouldn't be a surprise if Norm played really well in the playoffs either, so. Yeah, it has
0: got a track record. Yep. Yeah. Next one from Brandon, uh, which was the better poster, DeMar on Tolliver or DeMar over Rudy? Uh, that's Gobert. Sorry. Yeah When I see Rudy and DeMar, I think, like, gay.
2: It's like, also gay is, is probably the best defensive player in the NBA, and he's-
0: Oh, he's, Rudy Gobert, yeah.
2: Sorry, uh, Gobert, yeah, Gobert, yeah. yeah. So, no. Yep, I do got my Rudy's confused there. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree with you though.
0: DeMar on Tolliver? Wait, wait, hold on. Which one are you saying?
2: You know, I think I like the Tolliver one more now that I'm thinking about it. My favorite part about the Tolliver dunk is actually... Have you seen the full clip where the fan in the Red Wings jersey and the crowd oh, yeah. He just dies? <laughs> <laughs> like, that guy takes off his Red Wings sweater and buys a DeMar jersey on the way out of the arena that night.
0: Yeah. No, he's just shirtless at the concession stand being like, give me a DeMar DeRozan jersey. Yeah. And they're like, sorry, we don't, we, we don't have it. Don't we don't serve customers.
2: he goes back to Detroit is going to be in 2019 when Masai does the bus trip with the fans and he's going to be on the damn bus. Yeah.
0: No, we converted him. We converted him at
2: the time. For <laughs> sure. He's a true believer now. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: it. We've had a lot of good DeMar Dunks, man. We really yeah. take that for granted. Like Demar and Singular. Singler, I
2: one of the best dunkers of the last ten years.
0: Oh, easily. Okay, I think the better question here, Andrew, is Demar versus Tolliver or Demar versus the Bucks in Game Six.
1: Hmm.
0: Because I, I got to go with the Bucks game because yeah, not only because like the context obviously it's a Bucks game, it's an elimination game, but the Raptors had been struggling all of that fourth quarter. Remember how they blew like a thirty-point lead?
2: Yeah, we're like I Jason I remember, Terry
0: kept hitting threes.
2: I remember just nervous vomiting all through that game. I was dying, man. I was dying.
0: <laughs> I've never felt that bad about a playoff win.
2: No, like there there were panic attacks across all of Ontario. Yeah. Just everyone losing their mind. And, and
0: that's when DeMar it, took over, and he's like, all right, I'm just going to put the city on my back. I'm just going to drive out of the corner, drive around Maker, drive around Jason Terry, and then dunk on Giannis.
2: Yeah. In hindsight, until he got to Giannis. Not the two best defensive players in the world, but, you know.
0: Oh, shit. Thon Maker was playing like a
2: maniac against us, though. He was against us, which, like, again, like, not a part of that playoff series that has aged well at all, as Mm -hmm. Thon Maker looks like a not-NBA player this season.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's true. By the way,
2: the Bucs look worse this year than they did in that series. Somehow. Which is very
0: yeah, and they fired Jason Kidd. Uh, they didn't change much of what's happening with them, but no. um,
2: like they, I, I was at the the New Year's Day game. That was the, fun. That's a good game, bro. Yeah, fun fun game. And like the the underreported underreported part of that game is that they didn't run a single play for Giannis in like the last two minute and a half two minutes of overtime. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just, true. Actually, they have <laughs> one of the best players in the world, and they're like, look. Let's go away from him down the stretch of this overtime game as we watch some other player just go to another level.
0: There's too much Eric Bledsoe. That's one of my theories. There's too much Eric Bledsoe.
2: Bledsoe. A lot of Chris Middleton.
0: A lot of Chris Middleton, man. Middleton
2: is good, but he's not as good as we kind of thought he was when he was the best player on that team three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, it turns out the
0: best player on a team that won 15 games is not that good.
2: Yeah, no, like he's – yeah. He's a good NBA player who is not quite as good as he was after a catastrophic injury, and is not the third best player on his own team. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I think he's the third best player. Probably, on like, all around. He's the third best scorer on that team. It's like Jabari yeah. is just better at getting a bucket than he is.
0: I agree, I agree. Although, I feel like Middleton fits more context. Like, he can get a bucket in more context than... Well, not even that. I don't know. A healthy Jabari is really good. Yeah, like he just hasn't been there. He's had two well, ACL tears. He hurt tears. that
2: knee last year. Like Jabari could get buckets on anybody.
0: Yeah, he was a, he was a bit mellow, esque man.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, he was putting up a very quiet like twenty three, twenty four game last year
0: on like less than thirty minutes. So yes. that's like that's that's you got to really come in the game and get your buckets. But um, yeah, the Bucks, man. I still don't want to face the Bucks, but yeah, they're they're definitely less than the sum of other parts. We'll say that much
2: for sure. If the Raptors are getting everything they can out of their team, the Bucks are arguably getting the least they could possibly be getting out of their their lineup.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, we already took this question earlier from Patrick. We touched on it. Like, any parallels between this team and the 60-win Hawks, we already compared it. So let's just end here from Darren. Will surge at the 5 be something we actually see in the playoffs, or will, Giannis, or sorry, will yep. Jonas and Jakob's defensive improvements make that less relevant?
1: Uh
2: I think that's massive dependent I think. yeah for sure like look, look look another let's say more nice things about dwayne Casey is that you know what this year when j v has been feeling it he's let him play when mm-hmm. j v like there was a i don't remember what team it was against it was like last week there was a game where j v was just obviously not not the right matchup, and he just pulled him out and put 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 Pertle in. Early, Pertle played better, and he just rode Pertle out. Like that, you'll see that happen. I think. I think if the Raptors need to go to a lineup with Surge at the five and it's working, they'll do that. Like I, I, I don't anticipate Casey being blockheaded about lineups at all. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. He's been a lot more flexible. And I, I think the one thing with Surge though is that like, if we're talking about the mobile type of. Defensive uh, presence needed at center. Like, Portal has been so good on that perspective so that, like, it's not like Surge is the obvious choice there, even though Surge is pretty good in those scenarios. And then if we're talking about, like, a physical presence, then it's no pre- there's no contest. It's, it's, it's JV. Yep. So, like, the actual um, scenarios in which you need Surge is, like, if you want to make a comeback, and I guess you need some threes. Although, if you want to make a comeback, I'd argue you've got to get JV in there because he's our best interior scorer.
2: Yeah, and, and if you want to get a comeback going, like, that, Offensive, the importance of offensive rebounds is greatly undervalued in as far as coming back from behind goes. So, yeah. I mean, and like, look, is going to play a lot of minutes in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. Surgeon and, and JV and Pertle are kind of all averaging 20, like, 18, between the three of them, 18 to 26 minutes a game, and that's probably what you're going to see.
0: And I think that that's probably why like, they've all been a little bit better on defense, right? Like, the so sure. Raptors have gotten great defense from the centers is because. Um, none of them have to play that big of a role like they're all individually they have to share it
2: they're all playing with full gas tanks all the time and that's that's super important yeah there you go Andrew William it's been too long buddy it's been a delight it's been a delight I hope you feel better man thank you it's been yeah. great catching up with you and chatting about this basketball team of ours
0: yeah damn we're good <laughs>
2: you mean <laughs> the Raptors also not bad
1: Oh man, that, like,
2: that sounded too, like you said that like you would just lit a cigarette after after sex. Just like
0: <laughs> that's honestly how these games feel, man. Like <laughs> that, that after that Pistons game, I was like, I don't even smoke, man. But I mean, ah, shit. Yeah, so damn good. Anyway,
2: all right, let's win four games. Let's light another cigarette.
0: Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, thank you, to everyone, for listening to the podcast, and we'll be back next week to you know pontificate more about how orgasmic it is to watch the Raptors play. Alright, that's enough. Alright, peace.
2: (laughs) Alright, man. Take care.
1: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters.